Want to know more about cryptocurrency? Well, you're in the right place. This is Crypto Unplugged. A fact-based, straight-talking, no-nonsense look into the world of cryptocurrency. We discuss trading strategies and market advice, review up-and-coming projects, and more. And we've got years of experience and knowledge that can help new and seasoned investors become more confident and comfortable navigating the cryptocurrency landscape. Now, let's get to the podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Crypto. Hey, what's going on, listeners? I'm Dr. Crypto. Welcome to another episode of Crypto Unplugged. I'm here with my regular guests, um, Ask Crypto Wealth, also known as Oz, or the other way around, and Balam, also known as Decod Bitcoin. What's going on, guys? What's yeah, going on? Good. How you doing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Decode, Balam, what are you saying? Uh, you've been a bit busy today. Uh, oh, yeah, man. It was a long day. Uh, markets were dumped as well, so... <laughs> Are you, sure, like, are, are you sure you exhausted the markets and stuff or something else? <laughs> Maybe something else, but I can't say. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Even mysterious. That's why, you know, it is. That's why, what, what do you reckon, you know, uh, Oz, you know the mystery about this guy? <laughs> if the listeners knew about Balam, honestly. Another story, another story. Guys, you know what it is? Let's go straight into it. But look, this episode, we're going to talk about um, back to basics, yeah? What exactly is Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and stuff? So I'm going to start off with you, Wealth. Look, imagine, for example, I'm coming to you and I've said, you know, there's been massive hype about Bitcoin nowadays. Can you please explain to me what Bitcoin, blockchain, cryptocurrency is about? What would you say? So you asked me... um... What is Bitcoin? So for me, um, let's just go back. I, for me, I think Bitcoin is a, obviously it's a digital asset, right? It came about um, after the financial crash in 2008 to give control to the people. Uh, it's decentralized, meaning that nobody controls it. You know, the people control uh, Bitcoin. And that's, that's one of the main things. Um, there's only 21 million Bitcoins, you know, in the world. There can never be any more. So the, the, what, the, what does that bring? What value does that bring? It brings a scarcity value. Uh, you know, people want to control or people want to own uh, Bitcoin, but there's only 21 million. And, you know, obviously the population of the world is billions. So, you know, if you do, do the math, not everybody can have a Bitcoin. So that's, that's something that will drive the value up um, over time. Now, you know, some people think that Bitcoin uh, is a currency. I know a lot of people think, oh, you buy with Bitcoin. But for me, the way I see it, I don't see Bitcoin as something that you use to buy things. It's not a currency, uh, nowhere near a currency. The way I see it is more digital gold. I see it more of, as a store of value where, you know, you invest in Bitcoin and over time uh, you'll get, you know, good returns. Just like as we've seen from 2008 uh, to today, you know, what was it, a dollar? And now we're looking at $50,000, $55,000 and I don't think we're nowhere near finished in terms of how far Bitcoin uh, can go. So, you know, these yeah. are the things. Yeah, go on. Yeah, no, just on that point, but don't you think um, an asset could be a good medium of exchange and a store of value at the same time, like the best of money could be a good me- a medium of exchange and a solid store of value? Well, like I think now, I, for example... Yeah, yeah. sorry, go on, go on. No, 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 I know what you mean. Uh, with Bitcoin, the reason I don't think at the moment it's a currency because it can't scale. Uh, you, it can't do. Um, it can't do. Um, I, I, I'm not sure how many, how many pay, transactions per second, Visa, Mastercard, and all that sort of stuff can do. But Bitcoin, 
at the moment it can't scale and it's it's too volatile. So this is why at the moment I think eventually, yeah, you're right. Eventually, it can be the best of money, uh, but mm-hmm. at the moment maybe not. Yeah, that's my problem with that. Most fiat currencies now. Um, so fiat currencies, anything that's not like a currency that's not backed by anything. Um, uh, just like a government promise or an army or something. But um, my problem with fiat money is that um, it's just uh, it's a good medium of exchange because it's convenient, but it's not a store of value. You know, most of it depreciates, you know, or devalues over like 50 or 100 years. Like, mo- like every fiat currency has failed. You know, they have, have like a 100% failure rate. No, you know, like none of them have a store of value. Yeah, sorry, go on. That's no, interesting you said that because I put, a, I put a chart on Twitter, I think a few days ago, comparing the dollar uh, from 1986 to Bitcoin and the dollar's just going down. So you're right, every fiat currency uh, loses value without fail. I don't know that there's any fiat currency that is a, you know, is a store of value. So you're 100% right. Yeah, I think since uh, the dollar's inception, it's lost 95% of its value. Yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm definitely not surprised about that. Yeah, even if you look at the most basic things like um, like a chocolate bar, like Fredo, you know, back in the day we used to buy Fredo <laughs> chocolate bars like 5p. And uh, like, the, value, like the, the cost of this now, I think it's like 25p or 30p, you know. Oh, that's and, true, uh, <laughs> and we don't realize this, you know, back in the days you can buy a, yeah, exactly like you said, a chocolate bar, 10p, 5p. I don't think, I remember back in the days we could buy penny sweets. I don't even think they exist anymore. No, back so, in my days we half penny sweets, but we're not going to go there. But yeah, we don't need to reserve that at the moment. But look, I'll just say, I'll just say one thing. You know, talking about here, this is just to add on to what you guys were talking about in terms of um, power of exchange. Yeah, so you're talking about fiat depreciating in value, depreciating. For example, like you said, ninety five percent that is lost of its value, the dollar or every single fiat, fiat currency. Whereas on the opposite side, Bitcoin has actually gained in value. So, like you mentioned, two thousand eight. Or it could have been less than a dollar, much less than a dollar, actually, or 2009, 2010, until, we say, 55,000 at the moment. But what I wanted to say as well, you know, talking about what Bitcoin actually is, yeah? Look, we could physically see gold. It's a physical thing, okay? We can see uh, currency. And I can remember back in when I watched that documentary, Banking on Bitcoin, when they were talking about introducing Bitcoin, one woman stood up and said, ah, this is physical, American dollars, American dollars, Yeah. But the point is, just to clarify, Bitcoin is basically a computer-generated file, yeah, that's stored on a digital wallet or an app or anything on a computer or on a smartphone, and that is a secure asset. So when we're talking about store of value here, store of value is just like gold. The coding in itself or the technology is its value, and the scarcity is its value as well. No, no, you're right, and 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 like the technology behind it, uh, blockchain technology. You know, you can't really separate Bitcoin and blockchain. I know some people you say blockchain is good, Bitcoin is bad. You can't do that. Blockchain is Bitcoin. Uh, the technology behind it where, you know, everything is on a, a database, online ledger, every transaction is recorded. You can't change it no matter what because it's distributed amongst, you know, all the, you know, everywhere on, on, on the internet, on the networks. So the thing with the, something like that where it's, you can't confiscate it. It's limited in supply. A store of value, you know, this is it is the perfect money. And once it does scale, and once it does, it goes. Uh, I think, um, you know, it gets adopted or mass adopted. It will be the perfect money. Um, that's, yeah. that's, that's what I, I 
You know, I like one thing that stood out for me um, with, with Bitcoin is that since it, since it's come out, like everything's been really transparent. You know, it's a transparency with Bitcoin. Everything is on the ledger, so you can see every transaction from day one in 2019 until now. It's all a, it's all transparent on the ledger. But with the fiat system, that's something you don't have. Like we don't know who, where the American government is spending all their money, how much money was printed today. You know, um, we don't know what a circular supply of the U.S. dollar is like. We don't know these things about the U.S. dollar, the fiat currencies. But with Bitcoin, everything's so transparent. Yeah. And you know what? It's, to be honest with you, that's an interesting fair. point. Yeah. yeah, because that actually goes against the narrative of uh, Bitcoin. Um, when, you know, the early arguments that came in the early days as well, people were talking about, you know, the seediness. Yeah. Of Bitcoin that is, you know, anonymous, decentralized, things like that. We don't really know what it is for. Criminals have been using Bitcoin. And as far as you know, I mean, criminals that we know, we've all seen narcos. And I'm sure Pablo Escobar was burning $2 million to keep his daughter. He wasn't burning Bitcoin. So the point is that we're talking about here is fiat can be used uh, for corrupt practices. And like anything that is store of value, it can be used for corrupt practices. But that's not the point here. The point that I'm trying to make here is how things are actually uh, recorded on a blockchain, which is a ledger. So we've all know the story of Al Capone's, uh, you know, accountant. The ledger was the most important uh, document for Elliot Ness, right? Okay, where everything was what recorded. Watching, to, uh, yeah, doctor, what have you been watching? Been watching Al Capone, Al Capone's, Al Capone's, yeah. What are you doing, man? Uh, don't worry about that. Yeah, at the moment, but uh, that's where my state of mind is at the moment. But look, the more interesting point is that, yeah, this physical ledger was documented in order to record every single transaction. So just to break it down a bit more. Okay, I have some Bitcoin in my digital wallet, yeah? I've got it on my phone, I've got my laptop, and I want to send it to Balam, okay? So I'm going to send him my Bitcoin 0.05 to his uh, digital address, and it will get to him in two or three seconds, a minute or whatever, um, depending on the mining rate, yeah? And we'll come, come on to that a bit later. And that actual transaction is recorded onto a digital ledger, which will never be wiped off. Is that the case? Yeah, exactly. I, you know, it's it's on the blockchain, um, and then once you send it, you know, once once the miners have mined the transaction, uh, Balam should receive uh, what you've sent him, and everybody can see it. And that, that's the beauty about it. it. Everything is recorded. Uh, you know, it's not like like uh, Balam said. It's not like fiat currencies. And it, like I was going to say when um, he was talking about that, the circulating supply. We know Bitcoin will only have twenty one million. Now, with all this uh, stimulus happening, uh, you know, uh, devaluing the dollar even further uh, because of the pandemic, because of COVID, um, all that's happening, yeah, in the short term, it's benefiting uh, the people who need uh, the stimulus and need the money. But in the long term, it's only going to devalue the uh, the dollar and increase inflation. And these are the things that Bitcoin, it's a hard asset. It's not It's not like fiat currencies. You know, it's the, it's the hardest asset in the in the world even gold like we don't you know, even know how much gold there is and that's you know, have, uh, yeah sorry hey. go on go on yeah you know i have a point to make about what you said with the um the stimulus the money printing the money printing like over this yeah. year i think the, uh, over the last year america's printed i think six trillion dollars quantity of easing like around six trillion dollars right and most people think most people think it's a good thing because they're getting the one thousand four hundred dollars every um uh, a month or like every every time they print money so they think they're, they're getting richer but it's a total opposite like they don't understand that inflation affects poor, poorer people more because with with when the governments print money 
what it does that it, it inflates assets and who holds the assets it's the rich people it's the top 15 percent. so they all get richer because their asset prices inflate but with the people the poor people so you've got like the bottom 80 percent or even let's say 50 60 percent they hold most of their money in cash they all save they save cash for a rainy day they don't understand money they don't understand how the system works so with those people their spending power their purchasing power is getting less do you understand all that money that they're saving in cash because they have it in the cash um in cash sorry uh their purchase power gets less so their savings are less you know no, but with right. the, they don't save they don't save cash they have all their money in assets you know and, and and, that's, that's what um uh, that's a perfect point because uh, microstrategy when they had uh, a half a billion or a billion in cash they understood exactly what you said that their purchasing power is going to decrease over this next year because of the stimulus and what did they do up to today they've put 2 billion into bitcoin to you know to basically increase their wealth so the the top you know the the investors the 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 you could say the rich uh, you know the rich people of the world they actually understand money they understand what's happening so they are investing in something that will increase their wealth basically and the poorer people they just hold cash like you said which decreases yeah. much power you know the saddest part about all of this is that people they don't they they don't understand because they don't have an inflation inflation adjustment wage they don't understand that every year they're on the same salary or they might get a small bonus but they don't understand but because because of inflation they're getting poorer every year but they don't understand that because they don't and understand how money works. The thing is, we don't really get educated well. When I was in school, we didn't really get educated about money, about finances, investing. We don't get in, uh, we don't really get educated about these sorts of things. So. Most of us, we don't know unless we get into the field, like we've got into the field and we, we're learning about economics, about inflation, money, money printing, all this sort of stuff. And I think this is a misopportunity. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, but all you need to do is read the news. Like I remember last year after the, when Trump printed the first, um, the first stimulus uh, package and then billionaires, I think uh, the billionaires in America, they added, I think, half a trillion dollars to their portfolio, you know, when there's like 50% of Americans out of work, they're unemployed, there's a global pandemic, um, and all these people get richer. It just makes no sense. Like you have to de- you have to like dig deep and understand why is this happening? Why are we getting poorer? There's a pandemic, people are out of work, but the rich people are getting much richer. Like last year, the amount of money that the rich people added to their portfolio was crazy. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and this yeah, so like with the, that's what I meant. That's what I meant about transparency. Like these people have the money, but they discriminate. They just give it to a select few. They give it to their people. Do you understand? That's where the money goes. We don't know where all the money goes. You know, they they pick which countries they want to give money to. You know, which countries they want to sanction. Yeah, and this is the point we're talking about. For example, how these transactions are recorded on the blockchain and relating to Bitcoin and stuff, and talking about scarcity as well. I remember one thing that you you tweeted about Balam some time back. Yeah. Um, and it's talking about rye stones of uh, Yap Island, yeah? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of scarcity, the original, how, how valued that, valuable that was because it was so rare. Anybody can go away and just check what rye stones of Yap, Yap Island is uh, to understand the significance of what Bitcoin is in significant uh, modern terms, yeah? But um, also, look, there's a common misnomer, yeah? And there's a common misconception as well. When we're talking about the misnomer of it being an actual currency or store of value. And the second point, talking about a misconception. This is what misconception I had as well. Maybe you guys can clarify it to some of our listeners who are new to this uh, cryptocurrency space or Bitcoin, is that when I want to purchase a Bitcoin, how do I go about purchasing a Bitcoin? Look, 
Bitcoin's $55,000, about $55,000 right now. You know, in order to buy Bitcoin, do I need to buy a whole Bitcoin? I mean, it's too much for me. Uh, no, for, for obviously Bitcoin is divisible. You can buy 0.0001 of a Bitcoin. You can buy any part of a Bitcoin. And that's another thing which is better than gold where you can actually, you, don't, you know, you can divide it up into anything as its numbers. Uh, so you, you can buy $5 worth of Bitcoin. You can buy $1,000 worth. You can buy as much as you want. So um, you don't need to buy necessarily a whole Bitcoin. You can buy, um, you know, parts of a Bitcoin or bits of a Bitcoin. Yeah. And in terms of what cri- cryptocurrency or digital currency and Bitcoin, how do those terms relate? In terms of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? Yeah. So uh, Bitcoin, for me, Bitcoin is cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. You know, Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency um and obviously the other cryptos that are coming out now they're trying to solve something that bitcoin doesn't have for example the biggest thing that bitcoin doesn't have is uh, scaling as well bitcoin doesn't scale too well yeah you Uh, you mentioned that a few times uh can you just explain what scaling means so you know transactions per second so bitcoin at the moment can't handle a lot of transactions per second that's why at the moment it cannot be really a currency because of the uh, um, scaling uh it'll take too long to settle the transaction but they're working on that and they i assume you know they've got some of the best programmers working uh, f- you know within bitcoin and so I, they'll come, they'll come to that so f- for me bitcoin um in terms of the other cryptocurrencies that are out there they're trying to solve something that bitcoin doesn't have for me at the moment it's still uh, the jury's out whether those cryptos will last will survive here we have uh, these boom and bust cycles where we have the flavor of the month or the flavor of the year. But for me at the moment, the one that will stand uh, the test of time is Bitcoin. There are others, you know, we have Ethereum, which has uh, been around for uh, about four or five years, which is, you know, coming as a com- different to Bitcoin in a way where uh, it's mainly where for smart contracts and things are built on Ethereum. But we won't go into that. But for me, Bitcoin is cryptocurrency. And, um, you know, that, that's going to s- that's going to be here forever. Yeah, see, it's a good analogy that you used there as well. It's like, you know, for example, you're talking about uh, the one-hit wonders. So the way that I see, for example, old coins or some old coins that may come and go, it's like a one-season wonder, isn't it? Like you've got Bruno Fernandes and you've got Kenny Dalglish on the other hand. <laughs> Kenny Dalglish, yeah, or Stephen Gerrard, we consider as a Bitcoin. Whereas Bruno Fernandes and these guys... We're saying Balam. Stephen Gerrard's a shitcoin. Nah, nah, you don't carry on reviews in the league of Bitcoin, yeah? Oh but it was uh, yeah. This is Crypto Unplugged. Now, um, Decode, Balam, just going to ask you, right? You know, and this is obviously going to go into our second subject about our personal convictions, why we got into Bitcoin and stuff. And we're just having a conversation here. You know, if I were, someone was to come to you, uh, you obviously heavily have invested in Bitcoin or your life is invested in this actual cryptocurrency stuff. So how would you convince someone of why they should enter cryptocurrency and Bitcoin? Why is it so valuable to you? Um, for me personally, I will explain what I, what I said earlier and I'll just explain to them that is it gives you freedom, you know, like once you, uh, if you want to like completely tap out the system and uh, you feel like um, the system might discriminate against you for any reason and you want power over your money without asking a third party for permission to like send a transaction, you know, or permission to um, open a bank account, you know, then 
having that Swiss wallet in your pocket where you control your own money, uh, that's uh, that's appealing to me, you know. And there's like um, so many other things if you want to like, dig deeper. No, but, but going on to that point, just quickly before before you go on your next point, look, that's interesting as well because many people got relatives all over the world. A lot of people in some countries, difficult to actually, they don't trust the banks there as well yeah. in order to hold their money. Uh, uh, some some economies actually fall. We have seen what's happened to Argentina, Greece, um, uh, economies like that, or Lebanon recently as well. And, um, you know, a lot of people got confidence that, okay, they can't, don't trust the banks, but in terms of actually controlling their own finances, being decentralized, what would you say about that? Yeah, definitely. Like that, that's one of the things I would, I would bring up to them. Um, ha- having your money in cash and ex- um, expecting a government to keep its store value when they're printing your um, earnings away. Uh, that's just that's just uh, that's just uh, that's a huge mistake. You know, that's a huge mistake. Like do your like do your research and see that all fiat currency, currencies get devalued. You know, every single fiat currency gets devalued. So you saving money in a fiat system, just know that the end will be bad, whether it's for you or whether it's for your children. Well, who knows when it's going to come, but it's going to come one day, you know. But so like the, the fiat legacy system, that punishes savers. With a Bitcoin system, it rewards savers, you know, because it – it deflates, you know, and um, with fiat currency, it just inflates. And you're going to have a situation like the Weimar Republic or what happened in Zimbabwe, something similar to that. That's what that's what that's what I would say. I would explain it uh, in a better way, but yeah, I would explain that to them. And also, it's uh, if they want transparency, if they want if they want to be aware about the circulating supply of the currency that they're using or the money they're using, how many how many like dollars or bitcoins are printed in that day. Uh, or were mined, um, and they want to know the direction of the currency, uh, then Bitcoin gives you all of that. Bitcoin gives you all of that, where the US dollar or the pound doesn't give you anything. You don't know what the direction, what direction the dollar is going to take tomorrow or what direction the pound is going to take. We don't know what policies they're going to come up with tomorrow, if they're going to print more money or if they're, um, if they're going to increase inflation or not. We don't know how much... Uh, how much uh, dollars are going to get printed today or uh, how many pounds are getting printed. But with all of that, we have all of that in the Bitcoin system. So if you want that transparency, you should opt out of the um, fiat system and into the uh, Bitcoin system. Yeah, there's a quote as well. Um, Oz, you know, um, they say, if, and I'm not sure where this uh, term or this quote originates from, but if you own 0.28 BTC Bitcoin, you're statistically guaranteed to be in the top 1% of VTC uh, holders, okay? Um, in terms of population, 8 billion population, 21 million Bitcoin. Is there anything else that is needed for this argument? Yeah, that's, that's, that's just it all. It's like, for me, Bitcoin, if you go with Bitcoin, you're trusting math, you're trusting, uh, you're trusting algorithms, things that you know don't change, things that are written in hard code. Like uh, Balam said, if you if you go with a fiat currency, you're trusting policies. Who knows what policies are going to come? You know uh, how much money will be printed. So for me, uh, Bitcoin for the long term. You know, if you're going to put some money into Bitcoin, leave it for 10, 15 years, it's going to come back. You're going to be come back positive. You're going to have more than you put put away because fiat currency just will inflate. Um, you know, for the years to come, and uh, Bitcoin is the hardest asset. Yeah, see, the thing that is, is yes, just sorry to interrupt. You know what, you know, we're talking about personal experiences, what made you click and uh, Balan, what made you for click? Me, yeah. yeah. For, for me, it was, for me, the main thing was, the scarcity was one thing, uh, that there's only 21 million. But for me, the main thing was 
un, it's unconfiscatable. Nobody can take my Bitcoin away from me. And I I know stories. I know a personal story when uh, when I was working, uh, you know, a few years ago. Um, one of our colleagues in uh, in Lebanon, a few of them we knew, and uh, he was telling me that he couldn't take out. I think he used to put his salary into his uh, obviously bank in Lebanon, and then the banks were limiting him to only a hundred dollars a week or, or something like that. And on top of that, the exchange rate they were giving them mm. uh, Lebanese to uh, dollars was a very bad exchange rate. So they were lose not just restricted on how much they were taking; they were actually losing on the exchange rate. Yeah, Exactly. And when I heard that, straight when I heard that, I just thought to myself, Bitcoin, because Bitcoin is something that nobody can do that. You've got your Bitcoin, uh, you know, in in your wallet. Um, It's yours unless somebody, uh, you know, somebody can put a gun to your head. But if you don't tell them your private key, they're not taking anything. Tell me about talking about these movies. But yeah, yeah. So look, uh, (laughs) that's the truth. Nobody can take your Bitcoin. Now, it's true. And look, um, Balam, you know what you're talking about? I can remember the discussion that we still had. It's, it's still so vivid in my, my head at the moment. When we were sitting upstairs, you know, smoking shisha on a Thursday night a few <laughs> years ago. Yeah, and you guys were talking about Bitcoin, convincing me what Bitcoin was about. And one thing that you seemed very passionate about was this idea of centralization. Yeah, decentralized and centralized. And, you know, from some of the comments and, and uh, that you've made or this, in this discussion, you're very heavy on this uh, decentralized uh, concept. Was that the thing that clicked with you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, it, it just comes down to, are you going to trust math and that cryptography code or are you going to trust an old man in a suit? You know, like who's more prone <laughs> to making mistakes? You know, who's going to discriminate more? Not the maths, not the code. It's going to be uh, these individuals that are running the governments. They're the people that are going to discriminate. They're the people that are going to um, do us over at the end of the day. So for me, that definitely was a, a massive aspect of it. And even if you see what happened in Turkey the other day, you know, the currency tanked. The currency tanked. And what happened, What did they do? They just yeah. they just sacked the chief of banking or whoever it was. They just uh, just sacked him and replaced him with someone else. Like, that's going to change anything. <laughs> do you understand? We're still going to have the same problem where these currencies are all going to get devalued, whether it's Lebanon. So, yeah. So I'll give you an example. In uh, the country I'm originally from, in Eritrea, like the, the president one day decided to uh, change the currency overnight. So he gave the people 24 hours to uh, um, give their money in and uh, change over for the, um, the new uh, currency. And like the amount of people that lost money, you know, the amount of people. And I remember like last year in India, what happened? They got rid of the 500 uh, note, right? Was it the 500 note? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I remember, like, uh, yeah, about, yeah. All these policies that these people just decide to make and people could lose m- thousands or millions or, you know, it's going to wreck so many people. So if you're trusting an, an old man, in parliament, Dan that has his own interests, then you're just, you know, then you're just not seeing the bigger picture. You're not seeing like the benefit of having like a fair system, a fair decentralized system where no one discriminates against you, you know, and no one can just do over. Yeah, an interesting point that Balam has made about, you know, India and Eritrev, you know, examples like that, talking about centralization, uh, relying on people or governments or individuals, we should say. Um, you know, they have self-interests and they people or the normal people may lose thousands or millions of uh, of uh, um, dollars or whatever. Um, you know, when you first came into Bitcoin, when Balam first explained this concept to you and, you know, you discussed in, in episode one where you just went straight into your office and you set up an account and you bought some ADA. Um, did you visualize or conceptualize that within three, four years that um, massive institutions like uh, PayPal, MicroStrategy, this 
Tesla, you know, Elon Musk, um, possibly Apple. Um, there's a lot of talk going around. Would invest so heavily in Bitcoin? Did you have that vision that time? Well, initially, because when I first got into Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, I didn't really know too much about it. But you know, as you start learning, or as I start learning about it, and uh, you know, realizing the power of Bitcoin, it was it was inevitable that these guys were going to come in. It, it, you know, the more you understand it, the more you think about it. Uh, fiat currency uh, inflating, losing its purchasing power, losing its value. Bitcoin is the total opposite, gaining value, you know, deflationary. It's a no-brainer, you know. And these institutions are, you know, it's just a matter of time. And I, I think they were always going to get into it. It was just about the regulations and, uh, you know, how how they want to be comfortable is, uh, in how Bitcoin will be regulated. And once they are comfortable and once they, you know, they're comfortable now, you can see they're, they're all going in into it because now uh, it's a green light for them. And um, for me... Uh, it's just going to continue, continue. Uh, and uh, I think Bitcoin in the next 10 years is just, everybody's going to be talking about it. Everybody's going to know. I remember two years ago, nobody really knew about Bitcoin. You know, if you, people used to laugh at us. But now it's, the times are changing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, sorry. Yeah, sorry, Brandon. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, for me, for me, that was a no-brainer too. I mean, I knew the um, big corporation were going to get into it too because um, Bitcoin is like one, the best hedge against inflation. Like gold is, when there's a recession looming and when the governments are printing money, what do all these corporations do? They look for a safe haven to park their money, you know? And and gold was the place where most people would like park their money um, to hedge against inflation. But like now more people are educated about Bitcoin and that Bitcoin is better than gold. So a lot of people, especially like the tech savvy people, they would um, make that move towards Bitcoin, like rather than gold. You know, so I did. I did see that coming. Yeah, interesting thing as well. You know, look, our podcast is based upon talking straight, not bullshit about cryptocurrency. But uh, the thing is, here um, there's something that we still in in terms of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. We're still considered to be in the early ad- uh, adapter stage, okay, or adopter stage. Sorry. Okay, so even when people do come into Bitcoin now, they're very, very early coming into it rather than a lot of people still discovering what Bitcoin is about. So it's not too late, in my opinion, in no way too late, because Bitcoin is still $55,000. When we're talking about the scarcity and the population, in reality, Bitcoin is going to be, and this is not moon boy talk. I'm not sure, Balam, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, if if you think I'm talking moonish, but Bitcoin has not even started yet. Or the actual cryptocurrency market cap has not even started. Moon boy. Joking. Joking. No, it definitely hasn't started. Definitely, definitely hasn't started. You know, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, guys. Uh, thanks a lot for that. Just giving us a good uh, overview. Yeah, Ben, um, do you want I, to Actually, I, d- I did have a question. So, both of you, you're in it for the tech? Nah. <laughs> I'll just be honest with you. Like, 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 you know, when, when I told you that you're, look, you've got a lot of passion, Balam, I'll I give you that. And, you know, you're talking about systems and things like that. And I actually believe that to an extent as well. But to be honest with you, if it happens in my lifetime or it doesn't, you're talking about Asian, you know what I mean? But um, no, nah, I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime. It's going to make a significant change. But whatever I can do in order to gain financial freedom or, for example, uh, to gain so much, 
that I don't have to worry about certain things, you know, about Okay, you know, work, let me ask you a question. Work, yeah. So after this run, yeah. after this run, so like, you know, uh, more corporations adopt it, billionaires get into it, maybe even some governments hold it in their reserve, uh, in their holdings. Um, would you still hold some Bitcoin after this run for the Definitely. long term? Yes, I would hold Bitcoin. So as a store of value, because inevitably we're discussing here is Bitcoin is a store of value. So why would I rely on something which is fluctuates? And for example, what you what we're talking about here, isn't it? That printing dollars, the stimulus, you know, trillions of dollars are uh, completely uh, that are printed just out of thin air. Whereas Bitcoin in its store of value being so scarce and rare, I would uh, put my savings into Bitcoin uh, but at the right time. So I would definitely have an amount of portfolio uh, that is in Bitcoin. Now, interesting thing, just before we do go on to the next part of the show, Oz, you know when you were discussing about Bitcoin and one of the things that I still remember, you're talking about how how it's performed as an asset, yeah, compared to, because I was saying, look, I'm thinking of getting into real estate, yeah? Can you remember this discussion? Yeah, I remember when you were a bit stupid. You say this, it's the best performing asset over the last uh, 10 years, was it? It's best it's performing asset. Stop. <laughs> it's just the best performing asset. In history, yeah. Well, that's in it. history, yeah. In history. Well, yeah. That's, that's, that, that sums it up, isn't it? That sums it up. This is Crypto Unplugged. Okay, listeners, so welcome back. Um, thank you for continuing to listen to us. This next part, I'm just going to be a quick fire round. So we've heard a lot of terms over the last few pods or podcast episodes, you know, and some to particular new people in the space may be difficult to actually uh, comprehend. Okay, we've had some feedback related to that as well. So this quick fire round, I'm going to give you guys, each of you, Balam and Oz, I'm going to give you a term each, okay? You've got no longer than three seconds to sum it up. Um, if I'm generous, I may give you a bit more time. Are you guys ready to give you, explain in a nutshell what each of these terms means? Go on. Ready? Who are you, uh, who's okay. you asking first? Ah, that's up to me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. well, okay. Oz, ready? You ready? Yeah, go on. Hoddle. Hold on for dear life. Basically, you just hold your coins. Um, Balam. Uh, Moonbag. Leaving an amount for the long term. Oz. DeFi. Decentralized finance. Balam, altcoin. Alternative coin, not in Bitcoin, basically. Example? Uh, Ethereum, Cardano, um, Chainlink, anything that's not Bitcoin. Oz, market cap. How much money is uh, in a particular coin? Balam, private key. Um, <laughs> it <was> so fast. <laughs> private key are basically the, the words to access your wallet, the private words that you shouldn't share with anybody. Okay, but I've got a hard one for you next year, so just brace yourself. <laughs> um, exchange, uh, Oz. Exchange, uh, where you can buy coins, Binance, Kraken, Qcoin. Yeah. Balam, NFT. <laughs> Non-fungible token. <laughs> Non-fungible token. Basically, um, no, no token's the same. Every token has different value. Yeah. Like Ethereum and stuff, every token has the same value, but non-fungible, every token has different value. Well, that's a fantastic explanation. And Oz, did you read that explanation? I learned something today. <laughs> yeah, that's why decode is the original decode. Okay, um, Oz, Satoshi. 
Me. Yeah, I'll post you pass it. <laughs> okay. Bull. Balam. Um <laughs> like, optimistic. <laughs> yeah. Bear. Bear Oz. When things are going down. Balam. Uh, ATH. All time high. Uh, ATL. Oz. All time low. Balam. FOMO. Fear of missing out. Oz. FUD. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Balam. This phrase you've got to uh, explain to us. When moon, sir. Basically, when are we buying Lambos? <laughs> uh, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Are you still buying a Lambo, uh, uh, Oz? Sorry? Are you still buying a Lambo? Or you've changed your you've just changed your ambition a bit. All right. Okay. Um, uh, um Sat. Um Oz. Basically uh a bit of a Bitcoin. Satoshi is uh the Bitcoin it's like a cent uh for a dollar. Uh Satoshi's a part of a Bitcoin. Okay, Balam, gas. And I'm not talking about multicultural interfering of gas, yeah? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the fees that you pay miners to tra- to process your transaction. Balam, pizza man. <laughs> what the hell? Pizza man? Pizza man, <laughs> pizza man yeah. is the, the guy that... Um, that what are you doing? <laughs> the guy that um, gave 10,000 bitcoins away for someone that would purchase two pieces for him. Right? Yeah. That's something yeah, exactly. you would do, I would do that. I would do that. I would, I would, yeah, yeah, yeah. If if Mo's hungry, <laughs> you're gonna give me yeah, one of Satoshi's. Nah. Watch out, Mo's hungry. Mo's hungry. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. No, the doc is hungry. It doesn't matter. I'll hold on to. I'll huddle. Yeah, I'll huddle. Okay, guys. So next, we're gonna just take a few questions uh, from the Q and A from our uh, listeners. You're listening to Crypto Unplugged. Okay. So um, we've got a question here, and I'm going to ask you, Balam, because it's a really interesting Twitter handle that this uh, question came from. Your nickname is Balam, but the actual Twitter, uh, Twitter handle is an interesting one. I'm not sure if there's any type of relation here, but it says, <laughs> at Balam Lovechild, okay, ask a question, okay? <laughs> I've decided to invest. <laughs> what steps do I need to take between making that decision and making my first investment? Yeah, I don't. Feel, <laughs> I don't. I don't feel comfortable answering that question, but. <laughs> um, but okay, so say that again. So um, they they they've decided to invest, but what steps yeah. do they need to take to and. Yeah, to take the first investment. Oh, take the first investment. Yeah, so basically, what you need is that you need to um, you need to sign up to like a fiat on ramp in it. So uh, you need uh, to set up exchanges with, depending where you're from. But let's say you're from the UK, then um, you would need to set up a Kraken account, maybe, or Coinbase account, or a um, Binance account. But there's many. There are there are, there are many fiat on ramps that you can use. But um, yes, yeah, so I set up an exchange there, and I would say. I mean, me personally, I use Kraken because I feel most comfortable with them and they're like the most secure probably. Um, I wouldn't use Coinbase because they get, because of the fees. They have the highest fees. Uh, Binance is another good one. Binance is really good because they have the most altcoins. So if you did want to invest and you weren't going to invest in like the big ones, you were going to, you want to branch out and find different projects, then Binance is probably your best uh, option. But if you're going to stick to like two or three of the major ones, then I would say um, invest in Kraken and you could deposit your money and you'll get there on the same day. Your, your account will be deposited on the same day. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. F- thanks a lot for that. Very good, uh, brief and good answer. Um, 
I'm going to ask you a question now, um, Oz. This one's from one of our regulars. Okay. Um, Hi, mum, it's not me, at uh, Twitter handle. Uh, asks, how do you keep your portfolio organized? Uh, I've tried Blockfolio, but I don't love it. Are there any other options? So just also yeah, explain I, what portfolio means as well. Uh, sorry, say is, uh, explain what portfolio is. Yeah, and then answer the question if you can. Yeah, so portfolio is just basically the coins that you hold. Um, so obviously if you hold a lot of coins, you need to keep it uh, organized to see um, how, how your coins are doing. Um, I, I, I don't like Blockfolio myself. I did use that back you know years ago, but the best one at the moment that I like to use is Delta. It's quite uh, straightforward to use. Uh, you can download it on your mobile uh, if you have an iPhone or Android. Um, and um, it, it's quite easy to use. The interface is uh, nice as well. So Delta is something that I use personally. Uh, if you want to use a website, uh, I know CoinGecko's got one. They've got a portfolio option now. Uh, I, I don't really use that, uh, but I know that's, that's another one. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you this question because you mentioned um, Kraken, uh, Balam, yeah? And this one is from... A daddy call ninety two, fantastic uh, Twitter handle I must say from Boney M's Hulk, yeah. But yeah, so he asks how to move coins from one exchange to another. Example: When you sell coins, for example, on Qcoin, how do you transfer those coins to Kraken in order to withdraw profit? And I assume what he means here is uh, um, fiat. Uh, f- oh, what do you mean fiat? Fiat? You mean like a uh, stable coin or? Yeah, no, just to cash out and spend. Oh, how, right. does he, well, how does he get money out of the system or does, how does he transfer between yeah, the uh, Yeah, basically, yeah. So he's got money in Qcoin or Binance, yeah. okay, and he wants to take it out in cash. So he wants to put it in Kraken. How does he do it? Uh, okay, yeah, you know what? I've never taken any money out of the system. I'm a believer. In it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that question, yeah. you should maybe ask us that question. I think. No, yeah, I, I can actually, I, I did that recently as well because, um, you know, Binance as well. Binance, um, I think you can uh, exchange money and then you can withdraw uh, into GDP, Great British Pounds, or dollars, or yeah. um, particular currencies, and then transfer that into your bank account, your normal, you know, American, British, wherever you are in the world, and just um, take out by uh, ATM machine. Is that the case, Oz? Yeah, yeah. Um, the way, yeah, the way I do it, um, uh, Binance. Uh, so, so, say I had a coin, I sold it for BTC or USDT, convert that into uh, pounds. Then from uh, Binance, I would just uh, withdraw it into my UK account. Um, the only thing with Binance, sometimes the exchange rate's not the best. Um, there are others, but uh, Binance is probably the, your, your safest bet. You're listening to Crypto Unplugged. Okay, guys, just before we wrap it up, any final thoughts, um, Balam? Anything you want to add? Yeah, just, you know, just do, do your own research, opt out the fiat system, you know, and uh, buy Bitcoin. And yeah, and after, you know, be financially free for the rest of your lives. Fantastic advice. Yeah, but although we don't advocate financial advice, just opinions of Balam there. Oz? Yeah, I would say the same, uh, not financial advice, but if you're not into Bitcoin at the moment, then I think right now is the best time to start. Uh, this is only going, it's only going to continue going up. Yeah. And who am I to argue with you guys? Okay. Thank you guys for all listening. Okay. I hope you really enjoyed the show. Spread the word, leave your reviews on iTunes and your favorite podcast apps, spread it to your friends and see you all guys next time. Thanks for listening to Crypto Unplugged. We hope you learned something from this episode. For more information, check us out on Twitter. Follow Dr. Crypto at Dr. Crypto 47. 
For TA analysis, follow Ask Crypto Wealth. And for financial news and market trends, follow Decode Bitcoin. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to like and review us. And thanks again for listening to Crypto Unplugged.